In his book, Hidden in Plain Sight, author Mark Buchanan writes about a woman named Regine. Originally from Rwanda, Regine came to Christ while reading her sister's Bible during the genocide that affected that country. When she fled to Canada for refuge, she met her husband, Gordon. They decided to return to Rwanda to share the love of Jesus with her native people. They decided to uh, share Christ with people who had once been their enemies. She told Mark Buchanan this story of agape love. A woman's only son was killed. She was consumed with grief and hate and bitterness. God, she prayed, reveal my son's killer. One night she dreamed she was going to heaven. But there was a complication. In order to get to heaven, she had to pass through a certain house. She had to walk down the street, enter the house, go through the front door, go through its rooms, up the stairs, and exit through the back door. She asked God, whose house is this? God replied, it is the house of your son's killer. The road to heaven passed through the house of an enemy. Two nights later, there was a knock at the door. She opened it, and there stood a young man. He was about her son's age. Yes, she said. He hesitated. Then he said, I am the one who killed your son. Since that day, I have had no life, no peace. So here I am. I am placing your life in my hands. Kill me. I am dead already. Throw me in jail. I am in prison already. Torture me. I am in torment already. Do with me as you wish. The woman had prayed for this day, and now it had arrived, and she didn't know what to do. She found to her own surprise that she did not want to kill him or throw him in jail or torture him. In that moment of reckoning, she found she only wanted one thing, a son. I ask this of you, she said. Come into my home and live with me. Eat the food I would have prepared for my son. Wear the clothes I would have made for my son. Become the son I lost. And so he did. This morning, we are going to talk about reconciliation. To reconcile. We're going to talk about the ministry, the message, and the mission of reconciliation. And this is a mission, this is a ministry, this is a message that God has given to Christians. And whether you know it or not, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, then you have a ministry, a message, and a mission to help reconcile the world to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been talking about our mission statement, the mission statement we, we repeated just a few moments ago, love God, love others, spread the gospel. We've been talking about that all year. We started back in January talking about loving God and talking about how we are to love him with an unconditional love because he loves us with an unconditional love. We also talked about in February loving other people, loving others. That same kind of unconditional love that God has for us, we are to share that unconditional love with other people, the people around us, whether it's the people that we live, excuse me, live with in our homes, the people that we go to church with, the people that we work with. We are to show people an unconditional kind of love. And then here in March, 
uh, we've been talking a little bit about spreading the gospel. Last week we talked about the Great Commission, to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here now, this week, we're talking about this ministry, this message, and this mission of reconciliation. Next week, we are going to talk about... To, uh, next week is the Super Bowl. Okay, you know how you get all excited about the Super Bowl? You know, you, and, 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 and the stinking NFL does this to us every year, right? They put a week, a week between the AFC-NFC championship games, and then there's a week off, and you wait like 13 days for the Super Bowl, and finally it arrives, and Super Bowl Sunday comes, and everybody's so excited, and, and you go out and you buy lots of chips and pop and nachos and, and cheese and, and pizza, and we had wings this year at Tony's house, and, you know, you get so amped up for the, for the Super Bowl, and then it finally gets there, and it's the big game, you know, and your team wins, and woohoo, and your team loses, and it's like, oh, this stinks. Anyway, next week, for, for preachers, okay, for, for, for football fans, Super Bowl Sunday, biggest day of the year. For preachers, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, biggest day of the year. Next week is my Super Bowl, okay? I'm like, you know, I don't even want to say his name because he used to be my favorite quarterback and then he left my favorite team and he went to another team that wears purple and gold. <laughs> I'll be Peyton Manning. Next week, I'm Peyton Manning, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm... Anyway, so next week is the Super Bowl. It's Resurrection Sunday. We want to invite you all to come back here. We're going to rock out next Sunday morning as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Also want to, real quick, invite you to this Friday night. We have a special presentation called The Life Cut Short. And it's a dramatic presentation with, with drama and music all about um, the, uh, the death of Jesus. And, and really, we want you to come and join us this coming Friday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, come early. It's going to be a packed house. We, we'd love to have you come back for our, our special presentation on Friday night. All that being said, let me tell you where we're going in the future. Next week, Resurrection Sunday, we're talking about hope for shattered dreamers. So if you, if you have unmet expectations in your life, if you are what I would call a shattered, if you have shattered dreams, if you are a shattered dreamer, I invite you to come back next week because we're going to talk about hope and how those of us who have unmet expectations in our lives, for those of us whose dreams have been shattered, I believe there's hope for us. So I want you to come back next week, 1045, for that. Uh, after that, we're going to begin a five-week sermon series based on our new vision statement. We're going to talk about being a movement, and how as a movement, our congregation, our church family wants to influence the world for Jesus. So that's where we're going in the next six weeks or so, but I want to begin by looking at a passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through chapter 6, verse 2. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation.
Verse 18 gives us the first reason to evangelize, to go out and spread the gospel. God has given us a ministry, and it is the ministry of reconciliation. The dictionary defines reconciliation or to reconcile as to go out and win over friendliness, to win over to friendliness. God has given us a ministry of winning people over to friendliness with him. And the cool thing about this is that that is exactly what God did with us. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, okay, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and, uh, and uh, you've repented from your sins, you've confessed that Jesus is Lord, and you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've done that, okay, if you are a Christian, that's exactly what God did for you. He won you over to friendliness through his son, Jesus Christ. He brought us into a right relationship with himself through the sacrificial atoning death of Jesus on the cross. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let me break that down, okay? Did you hear that? Basically what it says is we were once God's enemies, but through Jesus Christ we have been reconciled to God and we have been saved from eternal death in hell. And that's awesome. That's great for us. But what about those who are still far away from God? You know, we can get together every Sunday. We can have great worship services, and we can have wonderful potlucks. By the way, we're going to have a wonderful potluck right after church. We invite you to stay. It's going to be awesome as we mow down on some food. But we can have wonderful potlucks. We have informative Bible studies throughout the week. But what about those who are far away from God? We need to be about the ministry of bringing those who are far away from him, bringing God's enemies over to friendliness with God. What about those who need to be reconciled with God? It is the ministry of Christ's church and his people to do just that. Now, the Greek word translated ministry literally means to serve. It literally means to serve. It's a, it's a waiter term. Danny Keller, you're a waiter, right? You help out a restaurant. You work in the kitchen. You, you, you do everything in the restaurant. But part of what you do, Jonathan Ushman, you do that as well. Okay. I used to be a server. I was a head waiter at the Outback Steakhouse in Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, to serve, uh, I would go out and I would take food to people. I would bring drinks to people. I would clear the table. I would get tipped way less than I deserved. <laughs> Therapy has helped a lot. So anyway... Um, but that's what a server does. That is what this word ministry literally means to do, is to serve. Okay, It is the same word that is translated as deacon in other parts in the New Testament. And here it is translated as ministry. Now, I want to step out for just a bit here and bridge those two concepts. The ministry that, of reconciliation that God has given to us is tied up in service. It's more than just preaching to people and teaching them about Jesus. It's more than just talking about Jesus. It is about serving like Jesus and loving people like Jesus loved them so that they want to know Jesus. Does that make any sense? It is not about, okay, be in the church, okay, our church, our church family, be in the church. It's not about filling up pews and meeting budgets, although those are nice things. It's nice to have, you know, we feel good about ourselves. Look at our pews are filled. You know, we're meeting budget. Yay, yay for us. Yay us. That's not, 
That is not what being a church is all about. The ministry of the church and the ministry of every Christian in the church is reconciliation, bridging the spiritual gap between people and God, healing a broken relationship between a holy God and unholy people, unholy sinners. It's about making enemies into friends, taking those who are far from God and bringing them closer to him. God is waiting. He is waiting for sinners to come home to him. He eagerly desires that those who are his enemies become his friends. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Look at verses 22 and 23. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. There's that word again, that reconcile word. He has made enemies into friends through Jesus Christ. And if we will continue in our faith, we will be presented without blemish and free from accusation on the day that we stand before God's judgment seat. Back to the ministry of reconciliation. Remember what I said, it's the word ministry, and that word is closely tied up with service. One of the best ways that we can win people over to friendliness with God and to get them into a reconciled relationship with God is by serving them in the name of Jesus Christ. Like we said a couple of weeks ago in our vision statement, we are a movement committed to influencing the communities in which we live by changing lives, breaking down walls, and meeting their needs. Do you hear that part about meeting their needs? It's about touching lives, influencing lives for God's glory and by meeting their needs through service. One of the challenges that we face as a church is how to touch lives through service. Like I said, the goal is not to fill pews or, and, and it's not to draw a crowd. Dancing monkeys will draw a crowd, okay? And some of you are thinking, man, if you had some dancing monkeys up there, I'd come back every week. I'd love to see Dancing Monkeys week in and week out. That'd be awesome. You know, Dancing Monkeys will draw a crowd, but it's not going to change anyone's life. It's very entertaining. Woohoo! Anyway, that's not what it's all about. We're not about drawing crowds. We're about changing lives for God's glory. Because when your life is changed, when you have purpose and when you have meaning and when you have mission and you have a ministry and you're all about serving other people and loving other people, when your life is changed for God's glory then God, that's exactly what happens. God gets the glory. God is honored. God is praised. And that is the goal of our lives, is to honor God. How are we going to change lives? Through the ministry of reconciliation. All right, let's move on. Not only has God given us a ministry of reconciliation, but he has given us a message as well. And that is the message of reconciliation. So what is this message of reconciliation? What do we need to be sharing? It is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel literally means good news. How many of you need to hear some good news? How many of you need to hear some good news? Because I'm telling you what, there's not a lot out there. You watch the news at night, you read the newspaper, and I'm, you, I get all my news on Twitter now, on my Twitter feed, and I, I, don't see, I don't see much in the way of good news. But I got some good news for you today. I have good news today. Let me tell you what it is. It is the good news of Jesus' death and his glorious resurrection. Through the death of res and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is reconciling people to himself. I love what Paul said in verse 19 of this passage. He says, God doesn't count men's sins against them. God doesn't count men's sins against them. Listen to what he wrote in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. The Bible says that he forgave us 
all our sins. Every single one of them, all of our sins. And you're thinking to yourself, nope, can't be, not possible, because God could never forgive me for what I did on that day. God could never forgive me for this thing that I did. You don't know, Sean. You don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know the sins that I've committed. You don't know the bad things I've said or the people that I've hurt or the things that I've done. You don't know. God does. And the Bible says that if you will turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, he will forgive you how many of your sins? All. Say it with me. All. He will forgive me all my sins. He will forgive you all your sins. But Sean, no, there is no but. The Bible says he will forgive us all our sins. Every lie, every indecent thought, every angry outburst, every foul word, every single sin that you have ever committed or that you ever will commit has been and will be forgiven by God through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time, okay? Every single sin that you have ever committed or ever will commit has been and will be forgiven by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That... That is the message of reconciliation. And when God forgives our sins, He forgives them totally and completely. He doesn't forgive some of our sins. He doesn't forgive a few of our sins. He doesn't pick and choose which sins He wants to, com- wants to forgive and leave the others unforgiven. He forgives them all 100%. Why? Because He loves us. Because He loves you. Every single one of you, you and you and you and you and you, all the folks in the balcony, for whatever reason that you want to be far away, I spit a little bit, but I can't reach you. (laughs) All y'all up there, all y'all down here, the guy on the stage, he forgives us all 100%, and he loves us all 100% all the time. His amazing love and grace is for every single one of us. And God wants everyone to know about Jesus and how he died for their sins and how he rose again on the third day. That is the powerful message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this message? If God has given us this incredible message of grace and reconciliation, what do we do with it? We tell absolutely everyone, everywhere we go, that Jesus died for them and that God loves them. Everywhere we go, we tell everyone we can. I got a message for you. You got to know this. You've got to know this. You have got to hear this good news. You know, when something good happens in our lives, we get some good news. Let me tell you some good news. All right, you want to hear some good news? This week, Shannon and I went uh, before a judge about her uh, disability, um, and the judge ruled in our favor. We got disability this week, and I can't tell you, it's been a two-year battle. It's been a two-year fight, and God answered prayers. Your prayers, our prayers, God provided. And that is good news. And I tell you what, I got people mad at me because I didn't put it on my Facebook status immediately after it happened. Uh, But, you know, I wanted to tell everyone because it's good news. And that's what we do with good news. We tell absolutely everyone we can that there's good news. You know, that's what they did on Palm Sunday, 1977 years ago. On Palm Sunday, the people said, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. They spread the news. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The good news, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And they ran out to meet him, and they laid their cloaks on the ground. That's a sign of of honor and respect and homage to royalty. Look up 2 Kings chapter, I think it's 9, verse 13. Uh, But someone had to tell them. 
Someone had to tell the people that Jesus was coming. Someone had to share the message with those who didn't know. We fast forward to 2010, and the same holds true today. Somebody has got to tell the people about Jesus. God has given us this ministry, and he's given us this message. We are stewards of this ministry and stewards of this message. How do I know this? Because verse 20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For whatever reason, okay, in my limited knowledge and limited understanding, I cannot understand why God would give us this message. As irresponsible and lazy as we tend to be as human beings, God said, I'm going to give you the message. It's your job to get it out there. Okay, all right. Well, I'm scared what people might think about me. I really don't feel like it today, and I'm probably not going to feel like it tomorrow. Why did God give us this message? Why did he give this message to us? It is our purpose. It is our mission to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ of reconciliation. Remember the third part of our mission statement, to spread the gospel. It is a mission of reconciliation. A mission implies that you are going somewhere to do something. Think about the space program for a minute, okay? Think back to the 1960s. What did President Kennedy say? We're going to go to the moon, right? We're going to go to the moon. We're going to study the moon rocks. We're going to see if it's made of cheese. We're going to find out if there are little green men living on the side that we can't see. We're going to go to the moon, and we're going to study it. By the end of the decade, where did we go? Went to the moon. Anybody remember the 60s? I don't. I was born in the 70s. Y'all were born in the, never mind. (laughs) Teenagers make me feel old. We were going somewhere and we were going to do something. We have a mission, my friends. We have a mission. You remember last week's sermon? You may be saying, I remember the 60s, but I don't remember last week's sermon. Last week's sermon was all about the Great Commission. It was Jesus' words to go and make disciples of all nations. And while we are going and while we are making our way through this journey of life, we are given a mission. We are to go and make disciples as Christ's ambassador. What is an ambassador? It is someone who represents a nation or someone else. For example, the U.S. ambassador to Canada. Anybody know who the U.S. ambassador to Canada is? I didn't either until I Googled it. His name is David Jacobson. He speaks on behalf of the United States to the government of Canada. And we as Christians, we are Christ's ambassadors. We speak on behalf of Jesus Christ to this world. We represent Christ to this world. Now, okay, I'm going to put, you might want to take your shoes and your feet and pull them like underneath the pew because I'm going to step on some toes for just a second. What kind of representative are you? What kind of ambassador have you been? Are the words that we say to the world Jesus' words? Are our deeds and works the kinds of actions Christ would demonstrate to the world? What kind of ambassadors are we? Imagine if the guy, David Jacobson, the the U.S. ambassador to Canada, imagine if he went up to this guy who is the prime minister of Canada. His name is Stephen Harper. Imagine if he went up to him one day, okay? He just went up to him and started cussing him out. Just ups one side and down the other. He called him every name in the book, insulted everyone in his family, including his dog. What would, what would the Prime Minister of Canada think about the United States of America? Imagine this guy, our, our, our guy, David Jacobson, the, the U.S. Ambassador to Canada. Imagine he walks into the House of Parliament up there in Canada and just turns around and drops his pants and moons the entire Parliament of Canada. What would these people think about our country? He is the representative of our country to Canada. Oh, that's pretty crazy, dear, eh? 
What in the world is he thinking? What is going on down there in the, the, in the United States? So ask yourselves, okay? What does the world think of Jesus when they hear me talk or they see how I act? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We have got to watch what we say and how we act because the world is listening and the world is watching what we do. I'm just saying. In her book, Living Beyond Yourself, Exploring the Fruit of the Spirit, author and speaker Beth Moore recalls a particularly insightful moment of her life. I will never forget watching an evening talk show featuring the story of the parents and killer of a young college student. The killer was his best friend. The weapon was high alcohol content inside a speeding automobile. What made this particular feature viewing, uh, worth viewing? The parents had forgiven the young driver, and if that was not enough, they had taken them in as their own. This young man sat at the table in the chair which was once occupied by their only son. He slept in their son's bed. He worked with the victim's father teaching seminars on safety. He shared their fortune and supported their causes. He spoke about the one he had slain in only ways someone who knew him intimately could have. Why did these parents do such a thing? Because it gave them peace. The interviewer was amazed. I was amazed, she said. I kept trying to put myself in the parents' positions, but I could not. Then, as the tears streamed down my cheeks, I heard the Spirit of God whisper to my heart and say, No wonder you cannot relate. You have put yourself in the wrong position. You, my child, are the driver. God was the parent who not only forgave, but he also invited me to sit at his table in the space my Savior left for me. That is what the ministry the message and the mission of reconciliation is all about communicating that message of grace, love, and forgiveness to a world that desperately needs it, and time is running out. Today is the day of salvation, as it says in chapter 6, verse 2. Today is the day. Today is the day to commit ourselves to the ministry, the message, and the mission of reconciliation. We need to be focused, and we need to be serious about serving and loving and reaching this world for Jesus. Now is the time, and today is the day. Are you ready? Are you ready? It may sound like mission impossible, but my friends, it's got to be mission possible. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us commit ourselves to this ministry, this mission, this message of reconciliation. Thank you for reconciling us to Jesus through Jesus Christ. Thank you for making us friends. Even though we were once enemies because of our sinful behavior, you have made us friends. And now we are counted as your friends. You call us your friends. We are friends of God. And that is so exciting and wonderful to know that you love us and care for us and that you treat us like we're your friends. I pray for those today who may be far from you and ask that, God, you would help them seek you. I pray that our church family would be a place that they can seek you in, in comfort and in ease and in, in, in caring compassion. I pray that people would find you and that they would be reconciled to you. Today is the day of salvation, God, and I pray if there's someone who needs to make a decision that they would make that decision today to follow Jesus all the way to heaven. We pray this in his name. Amen.